0: riverside church podcast riverside church is a community of believers striving side by side for the gospel in the greater new orleans area for more information about riverside church go to riversidelife.org amen you may be seated uh, kids, you can be dismissed The Children's Church at this time. Uh, the rest of us, let's go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to Ezra, uh, chapter 7 and 8 is where we are. Uh, Ezra, chapter 7 and uh, 8 is where we are this morning, so go ahead and turn there. Uh, it's been the longest time I think I've been out of the pulpit since I've been here, I believe. I was uh, here a couple weeks ago, and thankfully we got to hear Jay preach, and then he do an awesome job uh, preaching a couple weeks ago, and then last week we had uh, Tommy Doty preach for us and uh, listen to that online, so I know he did a great job as well. And so aren't we blessed to have uh, some guys that did a wonderful job filling the pulpit the last couple weeks, uh, gave me a little bit of breather, and uh, those guys that are leading in worship, aren't you thankful for our worship team that, that leads week in and week out and puts so much uh, effort and time uh, so that the people of God can gather on Sunday morning and sing together. We're so thankful for that. Have you ever said or thought something like this, that um, maybe you've said something like this, I, I see the hand of God in my life. Have you used those phrases before or or maybe you're you're living right now and I really wish I really wish I could see the hand of God in my life. I really wish I could trace his hand or maybe you're saying this I'm having a lot of trouble tracing the hand of God in my life. Have you ever expressed something like that, And perhaps you, when you express something like that, what, what we're saying is, I, I'm not sure what God is doing in my life. I'm not, I'm not sure how God is working in my life. And, and maybe it's expressing this desire that I really want to see God working in my life. Well, this morning we're introduced finally to Ezra, the book that bears his name. We haven't met Ezra yet, but this morning we meet Ezra. And I read it a second ago, you got to meet Ezra and Ezra has entered the picture it's some 60 years later than where Jay left off in Ezra chapter 6 the temple is rebuilt and the people are starting to worship there and and Ezra returns from Babylonia to Jerusalem and thanks to Ezra this morning we have a picture an example of what it looks like to live under the hand of God. And so that's what we want to look at this morning. What does it look like to live under the hand of God? Now, let me give you an overview of chapter seven and eight because we're not looking at it all this morning. In Ezra chapter seven, verse one through 10, this is a very rough outline. We get an introduction of Ezra. I'm gonna introduce you a little more to him in a second. We get an introduction of Ezra and then we get this, um, this decree that came from Artaxerxes, these, uh, these things that the king of, of Persia at the time allowed the people of God to do this, so we get this proclamation from the king, and, and then in chapter 8, we really get uh, what is talked about in Ezra chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. We're told that Ezra returned to Jerusalem. In chapter 8, we, we see that return to Jerusalem and how all that Happen so. Just to give you a rough picture, we're talking about Ezra and his return to Jerusalem, and we're going to see an example and, and get a picture for us this morning what it is like to live under the hands of God. First, let me let me introduce you a little more to Ezra. Uh, Ezra was a scribe and a priest. We're told here of his lineage that he comes from the line of Aaron. We read here that he's from this long line of priests going all the way back to Aaron himself, the first high priest. We Read that Ezra was living among the exiles in Babylon and that he was a scribe, the Bible tells us, in Ezra chapter 7, verse 6. He was a scribe, skilled in the law of Moses. Ezra had gained knowledge in the word of the Lord. In fact, rabbis considered him second only to Moses. Ezra was skilled in the scriptures, which in his day referred to the Pentateuch. He was both called and equipped to serve Israel as a priest. Ezra came from Quite a lineage. That's not necessarily the example we want to see. It's, and I don't want to mention that because our our, our living under the hand of God doesn't depend upon your, your physical lineage. But, but, but here's the thing with Ezra, as I introduce you to Ezra, that he understood his assignment. He understood what, what God had called him to do, that he was a priest, and there in Jerusalem, God desired his people to, be, to, to worship him in a particular way in Jerusalem, preparing the way for the greater glory when God himself would come and fill the temple, particularly in Jesus Christ. So, so he, he knew his assignment that he was to go to Jerusalem as a priest that he might help the people worship God. And John Calvin said something like this, he said, we should all regard our particular situation as a post assigned to us by God. So if you want to go ahead and start getting to application and getting to an example, the example is not what is your physical lineage, the the example that I think we need to start seeing and living under the hand of God is what post has God given you? What sphere of influence has God, where has he placed, it might not have been where you wanted to be placed, but he has you there. And do you understand the assignments? Do you understand that where God has put you is where God has put you by his hand? And so to live under the hand of God, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well. So, that who's who's that? He understands the assignment. He understands the task at hand. And so, not only understanding that that he's been placed in a particular place, for him, a particular lineage, and he understands his assignment, so we're getting those kind of preliminary applications here, he understands the the, the task at hand. It's been some 60 years, I told you, since the temple had been built. And Nehemiah will build the walls, and and now they're reestablishing worship why did Ezra t- return he understood the assignment but he was re- burdened i believe to return because as we'll see in the coming weeks in Ezra chapter 9 and verse and chapter 9 and 10 uh, the people of god were drifting away from holiness they were beginning to commit the same sins of the past that got them exiled in the first place. And we see this truth that we don't drift towards holiness. We, we drift away from the Lord and they're drifting away from the Lord. And he knows the word of the Lord. So he understands the assignment that God just didn't want a holy place. He was after the hearts of his people. He wanted a holy people. The people were drifting away and now Ezra returns so that he might point them to the Lord. And God opened a way for the second wave to return. Do you see it in verse 7, in verse chapter 7, verse 27? It said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of the fathers, who put such a thing as this into the heart of the king. So, so here's what we're saying. Ezra's returning some 60 years later. He's a scribe, a priest, he knows, knows the ways of the Lord. Are you following along with me here? The hand of God had placed him here with you, so he's living, he's following the Lord, living according to that assignment. He knows the task is at hand, but he also sees the hand of the Lord and how God is working in current events. That can be even harder to see. But God put in the heart of this pagan king, Xerxes, some, something that allowed the people to return. And the, and the Bible tells us that Ezra was probably close to this king because the king granted him all that he asked. He was living under the hand of God, and God was opening doors for him, particularly through this king. Listen to some of these things that Ezra requested and this king allowed. He he asked in verse 13 that those who wish may return with Ezra, and they were allowed to do that. Ezra asked that he might be able to evaluate Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of the Lord, and he was allowed to do that in verse 14. In verse 15, the king and counselors sent silver and golds. And they provided the resources for this. In verse 16, we see that Ezra may take all the silver and gold and freewill offerings he can find. And that the funds are to be used at the temple, verse 17 and 18, with Ezra disposing of whatever is left at his discretion according to the will of God. And there's other things that you can see. Even the treasury of the king was opened for the sake of the people of God. And and so you see throughout all of Ezra 7 that God is, as Ezra is living under the hand of God, obeying the Lord, understanding his assignment, living for the glory of God, that God is even putting into hearts. Do you believe that God can still do that now? Open doors of even pagan kings to make a way for his kingdom to advance. I hope we believe that because God is still doing that to this day. And so that's what God is doing. So he's living under the hand of God. And, and by the way, what he has, he's going to return to Jerusalem. Don't miss this. So, so he understands who he is, his, his assignment, his particular post that God has given him to spread the glory of God. Yes, it's more of an out front type of thing, but that's what Ezra's assignment is. Might not be your assignment, but it's his assignment. What is your assignment? So we see that. And we also see that God's opening doors for him and he's walking in this through those doors. But we also see, I don't want you to miss this, he still has to journey back to Jerusalem. And that's not easy. (laughs) There's robbers along the way. Ezra chapter 8 tells us that he he, he made provision for that to protect all this gold and these offerings that he's bringing. It it was not an easy trip home, back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. You know, me and my family recently went uh, to Pigeon Forge. That's why we were out last week on, on vacation. And we traveled, uh, you know, round trip, you know, some some 1,500 miles um, in in the comforts of an air-conditioned vehicle. Um yeah, the trip home was, was tough. You, you, you probably know this already. I know word got around that one of our kids was sick. And so she was throwing up all the way home. We left the house with 16 barf bags in our car. Um, when we were pulling out the driveway, my wife said, I told, we should have ordered more. And I said, if we ordered more, we have bigger problems than uh, barfing if we need more than 16 barf bags. Um, we needed 14 barf bags, in case you were counting. Um, so we are too short, uh, but I was right. We didn't need any more, but we need to order more because now we're out of barf bags. It was a, it was a, a very difficult trip home. But on the way, we got to stop on, on the way out. We stopped. Have you seen these things before? Uh, anybody been to Bucky's before? We went, yeah, all of you have been to Bucky's. We went to the largest one in the world, right? It's right outside of Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. That place is nuts. Uh, don't go when it's crowded. Just there's like hundred plus gas pumps. You know they come out of Texas. So everything bigger is bigger in Texas. We got a lot of Texans here among us today. Uh, they're probably very proud of that. There's barbecue. There's uh, you. You can't even imagine how big this thing is, and all the supp- so we got uh, supplies. You can get the gas. You can get the food. You can get the drinks. You can get uh, the clothes. You can get the shoes that you can get. Any anything you can get there for the journey it was right there on the highway. And so we stopped on the way out, um, like everybody does, and we filled up, got our barbecue sandwiches. They have a wonderful barbecue turkey sandwich, by the way. Um, and we loaded up for the trip and made our way home in nine or ten hours. It felt like a very difficult trip, right? We had a kid throwing up in the back, and, but we got, made it to Meridian, Mississippi. We were almost out of gas, and I was out of gas, and they had a Starbucks in Meridian, Mississippi. And so I got and got a triple grande something or the other with a lot of espresso in order to get home. I felt very burdened and very overwhelmed at this trip that we had to take home and we didn't even get to stop at a hotel like we planned to along the way. This trip, not quite as long, 900 miles. They didn't have an air conditioned SUV, by the way. There's no buckys along the way. Uh, by foot, four plus months, like no sunscreen or anything like that, off uh, through the deserts of, of the Middle East. That's where God had called him to go, and the journey was perilous. They traveled four months in the Middle Eastern summer to re- re- arrive back with, in Jerusalem with bandits along the way, people who wanted to take all their stuff. I felt like coming from Pigeon Forge to home, I needed the hand of God with me if we were going to make it home safely. And I think sometimes, let's start applying this a little bit, that that we forget how much we depend upon the hand of God. Because we do have a lot of modern comforts, right? And and I'm thankful for those. I'm I'm, I'm so thankful for Bucky's and that good turkey sandwich. I'm thankful for Starbucks and all the espresso that they are able to pump in my veins. I'm thankful for all of that. I'm thankful for paved highways and air-conditioned cars and all of these wonderful things. But I I think sometimes in the the course of of our lives that that we we have an ease that we forget about and we have prosperity that we forget about and we forget that we completely rely on the hand of God to safely get us home. And maybe you don't see it on short journeys like this that the people of God would have had to deal with going back to Jerusalem. But I know that Ezra knew when he was leaving Babylonia and he even says it: I'm not going to ask for the help of the king. He stops, he fasts, he prays. He said, I'm going to rely, you can read it in chapter chapter eight, I am going to rely solely upon the hand of God to get me home. And maybe you don't see that from a journey from Pigeon Forge to New Orleans, but maybe you see it in your own life, the journey to get all the way home to the heavenly city, to the heavenly Jerusalem, all the bandits and all the things that are trying to rob your joy, all the things and distractions that you have along the way. Will you get safely home? Are you ready to say, only by the hand of God will I make it to Zion? They made it. The Bible tells us in chapter 8, by the hand of God. And by the hand, not a bandit touched them. They made it all the way home by the grace of God. And Ezra doesn't want you to miss this. He says it seven or eight times throughout chapter 7 and 8, that the only reason that they made it home The only reason he was able to fulfill this assignment that God had given him, the only reason he was able to stop and take these priests and take all these folks with him all the way home in order to help the people of God back in Jerusalem was because of the hand of God. Because he was living under the rule and reign of God, because he was living under the guidance of God, because he was under the care of God, because he was under the power of God, Ezra made it all the way home. And Ezra doesn't want you to miss this. Uh, Maybe you can do it like I did in my Bible. I'll I'll point this out to you so you can underline it. Chapter 7, verse 6. The king grants his request, Ezra's request, because of the hand of God upon him. Ezra 9, Ezra arrives in Jerusalem because the hand of a God, 7, verse 9, because the hand of a God is upon him. In chapter 7, verse 28, Ezra has courage. Why? Because the hand of God. In chapter 8, verse 18, the Levites, they stop at a river on the way out. Where are the Levites? We can't find, we need Levites to go. The Levites aren't there. So Ezra knows he's supposed to bring Levites back. So he stops and sends for the Levites. Finally, the Levites, come on, come on, guys. We've got to go back to Jerusalem. Why did this happen? The good hand of God provided Chapter 8, verse 22, all who seek God, he says, I don't want the help of King Artaxerxes, I want the hand of God, because all who seek have his hand upon them for good. It's all because of the good hand of God. And finally, in chapter 8, verse 31, says they are delivered from the enemies and ambush along the way. Why? Because of God's good hand. So all that Ezra is seeing in his life, all that you will see in your life, any success, any prosperity, any way that you're glorifying and honor the Lord, the only way that you will make it all the way home is because God's good hand is upon all who seek him, but his wrath is against all who forsake him. Now, we're going to make a few more points in a second, but let's stop and say this. I don't want you to get the impression that somehow the good hand of God is something that we earn. And I think Ezra understood that. Because before he goes on the journey, he didn't say, I have this plan and God better get up behind it and carry me along. No, he he was submitting himself to to the will and desire of the Lord. In chapter 8 verse 21 through 23 we read that Ezra stops he prays and he fasts even before the journey. What Ezra is doing there is what Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 5 and 6 where he says, "Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And at the proper time he will exalt you. He will bring you all the way home." He will. But first if we are to live under the hand of God, so here's what I want us to do. so what does it look like? So we see Ezra doing this, understanding the assignments Live, even the perilous journey, living through, even if it cost him something, even the road's difficult, even the following the Lord's difficult, we, we walk through, we, we get, get all that, but, but what, what is it, what's behind all of this at, at the very overarching baseline is, is Ezra has humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. He has submitted himself to the Lord. He's offered his life as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing, and acceptable to the Lord. For for Ezra, he has set his heart as totally dependent upon the Lord. Yes, this king had opened up the way. Yes, Ezra, you can turn. Yes, I'm going to give you everything. I'll send you along the way. All the doors are open, but Ezra knew. I'm dependent upon the Lord. So I'm going to stop. I'm going to fast I'm going to pray. So at a very baseline, how do I live under the hand of the Lord? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord. You give yourself completely, your desires, your will, everything to the Lord. And maybe that's stopping, giving your assignment to the Lord, where God has placed you. Maybe, maybe you think where God has placed you in your life really stinks. Humble myself under the mighty hand of the Lord. The proper time, he will exalt me. Because his good hand is upon me. It's a good hand. He's your creator. He's the one that loves you most. You see that in the gospel, don't you? That if you ever doubt the love of Christ, we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, and we know beyond a shadow of doubt that Jesus loves sinners. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life for he did not come into the world to condemn the world but so that the world might be saved through him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Look to Jesus and know that God loves you. You can trust his mighty hand. So Ezra set his heart on the Lord he humbles himself before the Lord. And want you to see something about Ezra. Go back to Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. Before we start all of this. This breaks down kind of nicely. <laughs> and if you don't have application already, maybe we can tie it up in verse 10. So the good hand of God was upon him, Ezra says, the Bible says in Ezra chapter 7 verse 9, the good hand of God was upon him. And we read in chapter 7 that the journey was perilous. He got him all the way home. So, so we know the end even before what he says here in chapter 7 verse 8 and 9. And we kind of get chapter 8 and a couple of verses there. And so that, that's what we have His good hand is upon him. He understands the assignment. He's he's going to do the thing that the Lord has called him to do, no matter the cost, humble himself under the mighty hand of God. How does he get to this point? Four, Ezra had already set his heart to study the law of the Lord. One, to do it and to teach it. And I want to submit to you this morning that as you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, those three things will... Help you along your journey. See see what the Bible says about studying the word of the Lord. Psalm 119. So the first thing, how do we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God? We submit everything in our lives to him, and and this, this will help you along the way. This is an example that we can get from Ezra. No matter what your assignment, no matter what your journey, I think these three things will help us tremendously. One, know the word of the Lord. Know the word of the Lord. And this might be going to a Sunday school class, a small group, reading the Bible on your own. Get to know the word of the Lord, because if you know the word of the Lord, you will, find, you will know God. You will know his son, Jesus Christ. You will know the gospel. You will know the good news. Here's what the Bible says about studying the word. Psalm 119. Just listen to these. You don't have to try to write these down and keep up, but just listen to this. I have stored up your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. In Joshua 1, verse 8, we read that you shall meditate on the word day and night and be careful to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. 2 Timothy 3, 15, how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in a seat of scoffers, but his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. And on that law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted firmly by streams of water, which does what? Bears fruit in its due season. Knowing what the Lord desires, living a bearing fruit in your life, living under the hand of God, And experiencing the hand of God. Know his word. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to the word of the Lord. And Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Paul says in Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness to God in our heart. What he is saying, what we're saying here is that know the Lord. If you want to live under the hand of the Lord, know the Lord. How can you know him? Well, guess what? He has made himself known we have a whole book of God making himself known to us. And specifically, he has made himself known in Jesus Christ. And all of this word is building up and pointing us to Christ and then to the return of Christ. If you want to live under the hand of God and enjoy his blessing and enjoy all that he has for us, no matter what the journey, no matter how difficult, no matter how much your assignment might stink or how much you love your assignment, whatever it may be, know the lord know his word he tells you just what he's like and it's glorious study the word like ezra the hand of god was on him for he set his heart to study the law of the word and as we prayed before do you notice what it said it didn't stop there you see what the second thing is there they get on why he did it he lived it and knowing the bible is helpful thinking rightly is helpful But we must live wisely and live rightly and submit ourselves, know God, and submit ourselves to his word. So this is more than just an intellectual assent or an emotional response. We are to be hearers of the word and not doers only. We're to bear fruit in our lives as we're planted by streams of water and God is nurturing us as we abide in him as we read his word. He's producing things in our lives. He's producing this in Ezra's life. He's living under the wonderful and good hand of God for he studied the word and he did it. There's fruit. There's actions that follow studying the word and knowing God. Ways that we live to please him. And there's attitudes that follow that we don't unsay. I think this is such a big thing for for believers, for myself, that we don't unsay with our lives what we proclaim with our lips. We don't don't unsay with our attitudes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control, the fruit of the Spirit in you. We do things with those attitudes because the Word of God is work, the implanted Word is working in us. So we say with our lives what we read here in the text. So, Ezra, last thing study the Word. I think this is true for us too. Know the word, know Lord, do it, follow him. And he taught the word. He helped others to follow the Lord. Now this may look different for all of us across the room. You may not never stand in a pulpit. You may never teach a Bible study or, or anything like that. So your assignment might look different, but your assignment is to pass on the, the knowledge of the word of the Lord. You probably have people in your life that you can point to, maybe mothers or grandmothers. You know, young Timothy had his, what was his grandmother uh, that taught him the scriptures. I don't know if she ever taught a Sunday school class or led a small group or whatever, but she passed on the knowledge of, of Christ. And this is the great commission given to all of us. And Go, therefore, to into all, into all the nations, making, making Christ known, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all that Christ has commanded. That we're all called to that, to pass on what we have learned, to help others see what God is like, not only with our actions, but encouraging one another, so who, who's in your life? If you want to live under the hand of God and enjoy the blessing of God, we see this with Ezra. Yes, he had a very outfront role to get these people and get the Levites back to Jerusalem. Maybe yours doesn't quite look like that. I'm, probably doesn't. You're not looking to walk across the Middle East for four months in the middle of the summer. Probably not. But who is it in your life if you're a believer this morning, Like I, I need to help them see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to live under the mighty hand, under the good hand of the Lord. Knowing him, following him, and making him known. Do you believe that God is advancing his kingdom among us? Do you believe that God is using people like Ezra? But Do you believe that God is using people like you to advance his kingdom? Do you want the hand of God on your life? I asked this in the beginning. I'm going to close with this. Do you want to experience the hand of God upon your life? I can't promise you that God will bless you in all the ways that he blesses Ezra. I can promise that if you will do what Ezra does, if you'll turn from your sin, if you'll seek the Lord, place yourself under the mighty hand of God, that you will experience the good hand of God in your life. And God will help you to see that as you live according to his word. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, promises that everyone who calls upon the Lord will be saved. And maybe that's where you need to start today. Will you turn from trying to save yourself, trying to make your own way, trying to do life your way? and Place yourself under the mighty hand of God. He will save you. He promised to do it. Anyone who confesses the name of the Lord, not might be saved, may be saved. If, if, if their resume proves right, they'll be... They will be saved. What's your assignment? What journey has the Lord placed in front of you? Will you walk it, living under the good hand of God, knowing God, following Him with all of your life, and helping others see the glory of God in Jesus Christ? Let's pray.